Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Cream City Dreams. I'm your co-host, Shelly Roeder. And I'm Megan Schultz. And we are super excited about today's show. This is a podcast where we introduce you to Milwaukee women who are living the dream. Doing dreamy things. And today's guest is no exception, Symphony Swan, creator of The Creative House. Super dreamy. Oh my gosh. I mean, this idea came to her in a dream for God's sake. This yeah. is like capital D dream. Doesn't get any dreamier. Yeah. So cool. Symphony Swan, who happens to be your Milwaukeean of the year, crowned by Shepherd Express recently. And I can see why. She's really, really got an energy of community building mm. through art and telling her family's story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Carrying and, on the legacy of her parents. Yes. And bringing people along with her, dreamers, artists, community. It's a this space that she is creating, which we'll talk about, is just a place for everyone. It's a place where dreams are going to be made real, for sure. Yes, for sure. Yep. I loved this conversation, and I think our guests are going to be inspired. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Megan? Uh, Absolutely. I think let's get on with the show. Today's guest is Symphony Swan. Now, do you do you use another name as well, or is is that your? So my full name is Symphony Swan Zawadi. Um, More public facing, I use both my last names when I'm just talking about my art. I use Symphony Swan. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, we're super excited to have Symphony on our podcast today. And, you know, you came to our attention through a mutual friend that we have because we were reaching out. I had seen an article about um, Black doulas in Milwaukee and we were like, yes, we must get them on the pod. And so Marae connected us. But then I was looking at what who you are (laughs) uh, because she thought you could give us the connection to this doula. Right. But I was then looking at what you do. And all the hats you wear, and oh my goodness, um, you know, a nonprofit executive, an artist, an educator, an activist, uh, all the hats. And then you were voted Milwaukeean of the Year. Hello, (laughs) yes, we must, we must, we obviously we have to have the Milwaukeean of the Year on our podcast. (laughs) That is so cool. Yeah, so I guess. We want to just start with maybe listeners who aren't familiar with the Milwaukeean of the Year. If you want to just tell us a little bit about who you are, who is Symphony Swan Zawad? You know, that's a great question. One that I am always figuring out because we are always evolving. But I think I always start with I am beautifully complex. Um, mm-hmm. I am a mom. I'm a wife. I'm a sister, friend, artist, um, leader, community advocate. I'm all the things I need to be in order to get through the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why I always say I'm beautifully complex because I do, I try in this season of my life to do all the things that bring me joy. And so that's mm-hmm. family, art and community when you uh-huh. boil it all down. Yep, yeah. oh, I love that. That's my word of the year, joy. We need more joy in this world, I think. So, oh, that, amen. And the thing that you're, I guess the thing that I've been seeing most uh, that you're working on right now, and we can talk about all the things, we can talk about all the hats you wear and whichever, you know, you want to 
to move with. But I, I want to talk first about this creative house. Can you tell us what is the creative house? Yeah. So um, the creative house is a project that I think is so much bigger than me. I'm just a vessel to get this thing off the ground. Um, it's it's a long story, so I'm trying to give you the the clip note version. But my mother passed away in 2019, and prior to that, it took her about a year and a half to actually like pass away. So I was a caregiver for about a year and a half. Um, I was managing my children, my career as a school principal, and caring for a dying parent. And so I, those are like big, you know, balls to be juggling all at one time. She passed away, and that was the beginning of my life changing forever because I lost my anchor. And so mm. I was trying to figure out life, trying to figure out, like, who am I now that I don't have mama to call when things are rough or when I need an opinion or advice? That really shook my world. Mm. Um, then I met my husband. Or right when she was passing, I met my husband, my now husband. And so now I had this new friend, best friend who um, supported me in ways that I had never seen support before. And so I was kind of like rebuilding this family. Then I had a baby. And so then that changed. Then the pandemic changed. And then right after the pandemic, um, just when I thought like, okay, mom's gone. You know, the pandemic's kind of over. I have a new baby. Family's doing well. Career's doing well. My dad got sick. Mm. And so then I had to become a caregiver for my dad. Mm. My dad, though, however, uh, we got the call that he was sick and that it wasn't looking good. Um, he came home on hospice in my house. So then I had to, like, adjust everything. You know, I had four kids at the time, a dog, and I had to figure out how to bring someone who I knew that when they came here, they were going to leave here dead. <laughs> and so, like, um, oh, that was a huge gosh. adjustment. And so then my world was turned upside down again. My mom's death was not as hard because she was my best friend. So I knew her wishes. I knew what kind of medication she was on. I knew all of the things, you know, it was second nature to me. But I hadn't seen my father in a, in a bunch of years, maybe like a decade, maybe. And we didn't have the best adult relationship. And so when his passing came and I had to be a caregiver, um, I was dead set on maintaining dignity. And so even though we had a complex relationship, I knew that I wanted to make sure that he was comfortable, that he knew that we loved him. And that stirred up a lot of like feelings that I think I had suppressed for a bunch of years. And so he passed and then that changed my life again. And when he passed, he kept coming to my dreams. And I'm I'm real big on dreams. I think that mm. dreams guide me and they have always been like something that was very special to me. Like I have dream interpretation books and I write my dreams down. They've always guided me. He came to my dream and told me not to sell his house. Mm. And I hadn't been to this. This is my childhood home. I hadn't been to this house in, I don't know, 15 years, maybe, you know, um, or even that area of town in a really long time. And so when he passed, we went over there, right, to kind of just see what we were dealing with. And I was hit with so many memories about, like, the joy that I felt growing up in this place. You know, my dad still had our birthday height wall in the threshold mm. of his door. <laughs> there were still toys there from the 80s and 90s that he kept and held on to. And then I just remembered that, you know, my dad was an artist, right? So, like, we're in the attic. And I remember as a kid, that was off limits. Mm. But I remember I, I, I remember that, wow, like 
being a parent now, I'm like, this was my dad's safe haven. This was his studio. His photography equipment was up there. All of his vinyl music. His It was basically like an archive of his life, our life. And it just hit me. Okay, I'm not going to sell. I didn't know what I was going to do with it. I didn't want to be a landlord or whatever, homeowner. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to have tenants. I didn't want to do that. But I knew I couldn't let this house out of the family, right? Mm-hmm. And so he kept coming to my dreams and just kept telling me not to sell, not to sell. And then we were cleaning his house one day and I found one of his journal entries. And one of his journal entries said that, you know, he would use his wood shop that was in the basement to help business owners in the hood with signage. Like he, that was what something that he would want to do. And so that's when it came to me. I was like, oh, I am going to give this house back to the community Ooh. and through the arts. Like I want to be able to create a safe haven for artists to uh, refine their craft, um, explore their craft, um, while also continuing to build this archive that my dad was building. Right. And so um, the creative house was born. So that's one side of it. Wow. I was working for an arts organization in the city. And so I had proximity to so many different artists. And I was sitting in a workshop where we were working on sigils. And the, the, the process was create a sentence that you want to do. And I was like, I want to be creative. I want to be more creative was the sentence. And we had to break all that those words down, take all the um, consonants out and just leave the vowels. And I was like, oh, man. Or we had to take all the vowels out and leave all the consonants. And I was like, okay, whatever. And so the creative house was born from that sentence of I want to be more creative. Mm-hmm. And so like these two worlds like came together, you know, and it was really an idea. I had no intentions on actually doing this for real. I was just talking with my artist friends about, you know, wouldn't it be cool if I just turned this house into a gallery? Ha, 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 ha. Like, that'd be crazy, you know? And they were like, do it. And so I'm like, <laughs> you're like, oh, oh no, what did I say? They put, they put the they put the fire under me, and so I just subconsciously and like consciously just started talking about like dreamy. Really, it was just like, man, I would love to have this in this place and this, and be able to do this. And then I made a decision one day to like do it, hmm. and so it's kind of like growing and evolving. It's you know this beautiful process, right? It's like this clump of clay that I'm steadily like mm-hmm. molding and building out right and so um it's really a place designed for black and other marginalized artists to use their practice as a way to explore complex problems because I believe artists can help solve complex problems mm-hmm. and so um because that's what my dad did right like my dad had a wood shop and he taught himself how to do carpentry because he needed to like he didn't have a lot of money and so when we needed a new desk, a new bed, new cabinets, he built it, you know, wow. and he taught himself photography because he wanted to capture our life. And mm-hmm. so like his house is literally a reflection of like, I'm going to figure out how to solve these problems and I'm going to teach myself or I'm going to like, you know, figure out how to get this skill set and solve whatever problem I'm presented with. And I want to be able to give that back to the community. Mm-hmm. That was long. I'm sorry, but like you needed the context. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really beautiful. And I love how like actual dreams are a part of this dream, you know? Yes. Venus Williams was our other guest who talked about really paying attention to our actual dreams. And I think that's really, I mean, it's really something that I can learn from in my own 
in my own life. Like, I'm very curious who have been your teachers around that? Like, where did you learn that paying attention to and interpreting your own dreams and really listening to them? Those are two different things, I think. Right. So I think that like I've always been a dreamer, either like sleeping or just being able to like dream of a different world. Like I just dream Mm -hmm. and no one taught me that it was just something that was just something that I did. But I think that like the hustle and bustle of like career, work, life, sometimes you're so tired, you don't even pay attention to your dreams. Mm -hmm. And to me, I think that's the disservice. Right. And so I had, I think losing my parents and having opportunities to just kind of sit down and just take a deep breath helped me make space to actually receive the dream and remember the dream. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why it was so important for me to write it down because I always joke with my husband. I always say like, my dad is talking to me more now in my dreams than he did the last 10 years of his life. (laughs) Like what is happening? You know, but I really think that it's the ancestors that are guiding me. That's why I feel like this project is so much bigger than me because normal me was very much like my dad. I wanted to get a job, stay in that job, work the job and come home. Like that was just like what I wanted to do. And this is pushing me beyond my wildest dreams. It is the scariest thing I have ever done, but it has also proven to be the most fulfilling. And Mm -hmm. I'm just going to keep riding the wave because uh, my word of the year, while joy was the word last year, this year is courage. And so I'm determined to do things that scare me. So every time that I get an idea and I'm like, oh, no, eh, you know, I'm not going to do that. I'm like, okay, if it's scaring me, there's a reason why I need to do it. And I need to figure out like what that means. (laughs) Just tell your friends about it and they'll be like, okay, yeah, do that. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) They'll give give you that courage. That's another thing I heard in, in the story. That's really cool that we've discovered with people too, is, is this, like when people have a dream, it takes some courage, like even sometimes just whispering it or telling one friend and then that friend offering like a encouragement or, or like, you know, a reaction of like, yes, can get people That's, moving. You're spot on. So let me tell you this. In May, I had decided that I was going to resign from my job. So June was my last month working, right? And I resigned from my job without a plan. Like I didn't have a job lined up. I didn't have a lot of savings. I just knew that like I need this, like my time at this spot was done. And um, I told my best friend, I said, hey, like this job is like stressing me out. You know, I had just lost my dad. I'm over it. I, I just, I can't keep doing this. And she was like, quit. And I was like, what? And this is my logical friend. So I took this to the friend who I knew would just be like, okay, let's come up with a new strategy. Let's work through it. Like you'll be good. <laughs> right. And I was surprised that her advice was quit, like resign. <laughs> and I talked to my husband. I was like, hey, like, you know, my homegirl told me that I should just resign. What are your thoughts? And he was like, I agree. Quit. <laughs> he was like, you like, have a husband wait now. A minute. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, you're, you're worried about having finances to support the house you have a husband now so you don't need to worry about that like if you need to quit I got you and I did and it was in those that time between like uh June and November um where the creative house really took off like that's when we got you know the nonprofit status that's when I really started to put this this idea to paper all because my friends and my husband was like quit Yes. Wow. Oh, I love wow. that. So 
I'm curious, where is the creative house in its iteration right now? Like what's, what's the current work that you're, or project that you're working on with it? Yeah. So, okay. So I tell this story all the time too, because I think that it is important for folks to understand that another long story, maybe when my parents died, this was the first time that I had been exposed to like the business of death, right? I didn't know the purpose of like a will and estate planning and how important all of these things were. My mom was better prepared than my father. And so um, right now we are finalizing the probate like next month will be done and then house will be mine. But that has taken almost a year and a half, you know, Mm -hmm. and so people don't tell you that like when people die Mm -hmm. and they have assets, if they don't plan that stuff out, there's a process. And so we're almost done. Mm -hmm. Um, We're currently working on our inaugural fundraiser in a Make Art Artist Award Ceremony, which is February 29th, which mm. I'm so excited for. Oh, um, leap year. Leap year. Is this, a, this supposed to be a leap year then, right? It's a leap year and it's my birthday, which is why I'm doing it on leap year. What? Uh, yes. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Oh my gosh. Are yes. you like like six years old? Like how old are you? Nine. <laughs> You're nine I'll years be, old. I'll be nine. Yep. Um, so, I love it. Yeah. So um, we're, we're finalizing that. So we got that side happening. The next plan for me is to get the nonprofit going, fundraising, because I want to start uh, preparing to host residencies in the house um, and building this archive. Uh, we have our first intern. I have a high school student who's interning with me who is learning how to build an archive. And so that's really exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then hopefully in spring, we will be able to start to kind of do some minor renovations, to, you know, get some fresh paint on the walls, meet with some local politicians just to make sure that the house is on, you know, all that political stuff. Like we're, we're creeping up on that, but we're moving and grooving. Like, I don't know what I don't know. And so I'm constantly mm-hmm. talking to people about like, what needs to happen to make this a thing? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like getting his own, raising some funds, and then hosting our first exhibition in the space, mm-hmm. which I'm cool. super excited for. Mm-hmm. Very cool. I, I love that you said, I don't know what I don't know, because I feel like so often with dreams, if we knew what we don't know, we might not actually do it because it's a lot of work and it's scary. And it's like, I, how am I going to do this? I, I can't. It's just so overwhelming. But when you don't know what you don't know, all you can do is put one foot in front of the other and make the next decision that you need to make for that day. Right. So I've been really intentional about sharing the behind the scenes journey of building this thing, because I think it's so important um, for people to to see what it looks like to build your dream. Mm-hmm. Um, I leave very my life is centered, I think, around being vulnerable, because I think that's the way that you make other people feel seen. I just keep telling stories about this place, sharing footage planning these events that are like, what? I'm going to create an event and ask people for money and people are going to give me money to like build this. All of that is like blowing my mind. And I've worked in nonprofit. I've done it for other people. And it's Mm. just wild to think that like, I'm doing it for something that I believe in that I'm building, but I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm reminded of, um, do you know, Rosie Petrie, uh, the artist in Milwaukee? Yeah, yes. because she she got her start in art because of an artist residence. Mm-hmm. A friend, a mutual friend of ours said, you know, why don't you just come and have a residency in our house? And, you know, like, we'll cook for you and give you a place to live and you can just work on your art. And that was the turning point for her, right? In becoming an artist and like really mm-hmm. figuring out her 
you know, skill set and which is like incredible. She's incredible. Right. And so I'm, I'm reminded of that and the, just the importance of space for people to explore their art. So I'm curious what that will look like in your mind. Like what would be your dreams for what that what the creative house would look like as it relates to artists being able to refine their skills and discover yeah. their, their gifts? So the house is in the old uh, Milwaukee neighborhood. And so Northwest side of Milwaukee. And what I remember about that neighborhood when I was younger is that it was like a community and uh, there was a school and there was like, you know, restaurants, like all this stuff. What I envision for this house is one, you know, on this larger level of being a place that can visually represent what it means to to dream right like i'm going to turn this house into something that this community has never seen before but when we go inside of those four walls i want this to be a place where um, artists are thinking through their practice using like <laughs> trying to tackle complex problems so what does that mean hmm. i have artists friends who for instance, I have a friend, Damar Walker, who I really, really love and also sits on the board for the Creative House. He is a writer and performance artist. His work, though, is rooted in how Black folk create place in the Midwest, right? Um, mm -hmm. And so he's thinking through like what it means to be a Black person in the Midwest. So he's thinking about migration, the South, um, like all this complicated, nuanced history through writing and performance art. And mm -hmm. so it helps you to try to think about like, okay, so I'm thinking about Black folk in place in Milwaukee and like what have Black folks contributed to Milwaukee in that story. And he's doing it through art. And mm -hmm. so the house would be a platform for him to be able to create an exhibition mm -hmm. so that he can invite other people in to have conversations mm -hmm. about this place or this this topic of his work. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it could be a place for him to come in and write and mm -hmm. just be around creative thought. Um, mm -hmm. Perhaps he is working on a piece that requires music. My father had a very extensive like vinyl music music collection. Mm -hmm. So I imagine that he could come to the attic of the place of the house and sit in the archive and just, you know, sit through music and find whatever works for him. The the first the basement level of the house is a wood shop maker space. And that's what it was oh. when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. So my dad growing up had saws and like just tools galore. It was where he went to build tables and you know whatever. The first floor, which was the living space, is being not transformed because we're not changing the bones of the house, but it's going to be activated differently. And so the living room, dining room will be transformed into a gallery space. Mm -hmm. um, the two bedrooms that were in the house are going to be studio spaces. So artists will have a dedicated studio space. The kitchen space will be what it is in every house is the heartbeat is where you can sit and gather and eat, make whatever. The second floor is another living space, but we just grew up calling it the attic, will be the archive. And so that's where a lot of my dad's maps, books, music collection, uh, camera equipment, dark room, that's where all that stuff will live because part of my practice as an artist has dealt with archival photos and collecting memories and stories. And so I want to be able to leave that place as it is and allow folks who want to do research on what I'm calling the Black family aesthetic can 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 engage with you know like the more that I would share stories about or share my old photos online as a part of my own art practice 
people would say, oh my God, y'all had that too growing up? Oh my God, we had that as well. You know, and so I started to see that like, there's like a common thread here with like black folk collecting and holding on to things. And I want to collect those. I want to collect the old Ebony magazines and the old newspapers that were relevant to black folk in Milwaukee so that people can come and research and use it as a springboard for their own practices. So Mm -hmm. I hope that kind of gives you uh, an idea. And then also too, like the backyard is beautiful. He built this gazebo. So I imagine that artists can be out there and folks can be out there just hanging out talking it's really a place of belonging Mm -hmm. and i want the community to see this as a as a thing you know Mm -hmm. like oftentimes talk about me being a dreamer i drive through the city and i'm so disappointed and that like there are so many abandoned buildings abandoned homes and it's like are we going to dream about how we can activate this place like all of these Mm -hmm. buildings you know i drive past been like oh my god that would make a great dance studio oh my god that would make a great grocery store i Mm -hmm. see it in my head i just need like a billionaire to trust me with the money (laughs) (laughs) i've been looking for one if i find one symphony i'll i'll share (laughs) like I wanted I want so very much to be a philanthropist because I want better for this city and Mm. so I don't know in my lifetime if I'll ever come across that much money to be able to like help impact place Milwaukee in that way but with what I do have this house I want to do that and Mm. so I want to be a model for other people to say Mm -hmm. I got a house maybe Mm -hmm. I can do something differently and maybe that will start to kind of like you know, mm-hmm. vibrate out and yeah. impact other people. Yeah, you know, so. I'm remi- like the Harlem Renaissance started because a couple artists lived close to each other, right? And so I'm thinking, yes. here's the old Milwaukee Renaissance. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's going to start. Yeah, right here. I love it. One of my favorite artists is Theaster Gates. He's in Chicago. And um, much of this idea of like the artist's house is not a new concept. Like Theaster Gates did a whole TED Talk on it so beautiful and that was kind of like the seed that I needed to see like okay this artist in Chicago is taking this house and transforming it and now it's so big that he is impacting neighborhoods like he is being able to like take this idea and grow it and grow it and grow it Mm -hmm. and I was like this is genius like this is this is something that I feel like people can do and so that's what I want is I want a community to see like wow you know because right now the frustration for me is that when I want to experience art, right, I have to go to the Third War or mm. Walker's Point or the East Side for all the mm. galleries, you know, all that stuff. But I grew up on the North Side. I saw mm. art all the time. Like I saw value in the graffiti on the train because I knew the skill that it took to get there. Like I saw people create these amazing outfits and like, you know, I saw art in everything. And I want to be able to bring that. I want to bring that color to other parts of the city because we're everywhere. We're not just in one area. Art yeah. is everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And can you tell, like, specifically in North, Northwest Milwaukee goes forever and ever and ever and ever. So where specifically is it? It's right on 36 and Hampton area. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I'm always astounded every time I drive out to Menominee Falls, like, oh, my God, Milwaukee goes forever. It's like yeah. country out yeah. there. It's amazing. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. so closer in. That's great. Yep. And so the idea is it's um, you, you're a nonprofit or you're you're establishing a nonprofit. So will these artists and residents be able to come free of charge? Is it like or how, do, how are you? Yeah, funding? so. 
we actually do have nonprofit status. Um, we have a full functioning board. Um, and so my goal is to secure funding for one, to be able to pay artists to come in and have a residency. Like that's, that's the one goal. The second goal is to then be able to curate programming based on artists who are in resident at the house to then bring in other community assets. So if I have like, for instance, Damar Walker in, I want to be able to bring in maybe city planners, maybe folks, uh, architects, maybe folks who build neighborhoods to come in and have a conversation with him as an artist about like, how can we help impact place? And so, yeah. Mm, To that, when you say artists can solve complex problems. That's what you're like. You're talking about bringing people together who need to hear these conversations with the, maybe with the perspective of an artist overlaying everything. Yes. Yes. Look how we look what we can do with our city people. You know, let's not just think of all the logistics that may be done at city hall. They're so focused on, but let's let's bring an artist into the conversation. Yes. I love that. That reminds me of our conversation with Tia. Richardson about mural about community how did she call it community art therapy with murals you know mm, that like I love bring, to you yeah bringing bringing a community together to talk about an issue but adding this element of like beauty and storytelling through art is just such a it's such a I've experienced it firsthand with her it's like it's so powerful what that can do mm-hmm. to your vision you know to like yes. to having a vision and, and another guest of ours sorry I'm like remembering all these conversations uh, Marissa Jablonski, who works on water issues in Milwaukee, she she talks about just like being inspired is so important to social change. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like we have to stay inspired. And so find those, you know, like we need to find people who can inspire us. So it sounds like Creative House is like, that's the goal, right? To be a place yes. where people can get inspired. Absolutely. I mean, you know, so the house, you know, was empty for about a year or so when my dad was sick and, you know, in and out of the hospital, whatever. And um, there was a a gate that he had built probably before I was born that needed to be replaced, you know, 40 year old gate, whatever. (laughs) And because I was so connected to folks in the community, I don't know if you all know Tonda from She Slings Wood. Mm-hmm. we have been trying to get her as a guest yep mm-hmm. oh yes I love her so much um because we had collaborated in the past on some stuff she helped build a new fence on the house so that we could mm-hmm. keep it safe and so oh. like just being able to bring in other community folks who are also doing amazing things in that two days that it took for us to build a fence all women by the way um Dang. and my husband and my husband but like it was mostly <laughs> women <laughs> um built this t- demolished the fence built a new one and just in those two days the community was like oh my god i can't believe y'all are doing this you know y'all looking good like just that so just imagine when we got artists yeah. out there when i c- can commission a mural to go on the gate mm-hmm. i'm hoping to get a little library out there for the kids in the neighborhood they're going to be able to see like wow like this is cool. Like I, I want to be an artist or, you know, I want to yeah. engage. Like how can I engage? That's the power of building community. Um, and the creative house would do that. I, I, the creative house is a thing because I want people to realize that everyone can be creative. It's not mm-hmm. just an artist thing. Yeah. And so I want people to be reminded that like, we all are creative. Yep. Amen. Amen. I can't wait. <laughs> so what do you need? Like where, what, what, how do people support you or get involved? Aside from coming to your fundraiser and bringing their billionaire friends. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, 
I think that just telling people about the story, because again, I may not even know who I don't know. There could be someone who is interested in this type of work or want to help support. That is going to be amazing. Um, we are shifting gears, um, hopefully in spring, when it's not so cold out. I'm going to be looking for, I'm going to be planning some volunteer days to go over to the house and do minor like renovations. Um, we may do a little bit of drywall patching in some places. I want to get some new paint on the walls um and really get it set for our first exhibition and mm -hmm. so we're always looking for people who are willing to um volunteer and support and help um we're literally building this thing off you know the ground the ground mm -hmm. up and so any help any advice um i'm looking to find a lawyer to sit on our board so if, you, if anyone who is looking for board service um would be amazing um even an accountant uh, we got everything else kind of situated I'm, I'm learning also in this season when folks ask for help to actually give them things. <laughs> and so, because, you know, sometimes you say, you know, I don't need anything. We're good. No, no. I need all these things. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Uh, I'm curious how your life before Creative House is has prepared you for this moment. You would like need a whole other episode. Your professional life, you know? <laughs> Because you were a, you worked in schools, right? Yes, yes. So um, my professional life is very beautifully complex as well, right? So I got my undergrad from UWM, have a BFA, um, and then I went to Cardinal Stritch and got my master's in educational leadership, right? And so right out of high school, I knew I wanted to be an art teacher. And I did that for a bunch of years. But uh, I had a false start because after I graduated college, I couldn't get my license right away. That stupid test took forever for me to pass to get my teaching license. Mm. So I did public allies for a year. Oh. I think public allies changed my life. Yeah. Public allies is where I got this um, love for community. And um, that, that time during public allies is where I got to meet some of the most amazing humans in this city, which whom I still have friendships with. Um, so then I did that for a year. Then I became a teacher. I've always loved kids and I always loved art. And so my room was magical. Like I still have kids to this day who are like now adults, like, oh my God, Miss Swan, like your room was so amazing. Guess what? I'm still studying art. I'm a graphic design major or I'm mm. this, this. I'm just like, oh my God, <laughs> makes me so happy. Right. Um, but then I realized that adults, like I knew that if I wanted to grow my career, I couldn't stay in the classroom. So then I went and got my master's. And then shortly after that, I got into school leadership mm -hmm. um, where I still was an advocate for the arts always because I knew that like that was what was going to keep kids engaged and curious about learning. Whether or not they were good at it, it didn't matter. It was just an opportunity to think differently, which I thought was important. But then I realized that like the politics of school and just the way school is set up, I couldn't do it anymore. Like I was advocating for students. I was advocating for equity. I was advocating for like, you know, all of these things. And I grew tired. Mm. And so during the pandemic um, with the, the the boss, my mom, you know, being a principal, all of that stuff, I started to have stress manifest in my body. And I was like, I can't, I can't. I love this work, but I have to figure out something else because my blood pressure is high. Like I, I can't keep doing this. And so then I pivoted. Um, to nonprofit. And so that's when I started working in arts nonprofit. It was there where my eyes kind of got open to like, okay, I can still do education, community and the arts. And I just have to like figure out how to like mold this thing. 
And so now I'm doing that. Like I get mm-hmm. to engage with community. I get to center art and it's been a beautiful journey, but I think I needed to be an educator first mm-hmm. um, because good teachers are the ones who build relationships. Mm-hmm. And that's the hardest part of the job. Once you can build relationships, the teaching part, they're going to eat right out of your hand because they trust you. They love you. If you can't build relationships, you know, and so that prepared me for all of this because mm-hmm. kids will give it to you honest and will call you out. <laughs> and so I had lots of practice on what it meant to like build really transformative, authentic relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is, I think, what helps make this work so successful is that I'm genuinely interested in like true collaboration, even if that means working through a bit of conflict first so that we can get on the same page and then like, let's do this thing together. Yeah, my career definitely prepared me for this my life prepared me for this you know i had a mom who had multiple sclerosis and so like i was a care i was a caregiver all through middle school and through adulthood so i knew what it meant to be nurturing and kind and caring um i had an awareness for like ada thing my mom was in a wheelchair so i would go to places like this is my mom can't get in here you know there's no ramp or the ramp is not safe these are things that i was always thinking about how Mm. to make sure that everyone can feel included how can we like build this thing? Even going further back, my grandmother was my probably my first example of like beloved community. Mm-hmm. This woman in the middle of the hood, you know, had the most beautiful garden. And every morning we had a duplex and every we lived upstairs. My grandmother lived downstairs and every morning we would come down, you know, headed to school and she would have a new person in the neighborhood at her table for coffee. Whether mm-hmm. it was like, you know, the drug dealer in the neighborhood, you know, the drug addict, you know, whoever. Mm-hmm. They they were all. We was like, hey, good morning, good morning. It was it was nothing new for us to see somebody new in her chair mm-hmm. for coffee. She cared for everybody, and so I carry that spirit too of like, mm-hmm. just love. Love is mm-hmm. love is the thing. You know, regardless, I don't need to judge. I don't need to do any of that. I just need to love you. And so, like all of these experiences throughout my life has helped prepare me to stand confidently in this role, mm-hmm. knowing that like the why is authentic and real. And so because I think that is authentic, the work is easy thereafter. So mm-hmm. sorry, I could talk for days. Mm. No, I love it. And I, I wanted to say it's astounding. Like you should have Milwaukee of the Year title for the simple fact that you were willing to caretake for your dad, even though your relationship was rocky and to make sure that he could die with dignity. That alone, those are the kinds of things that that we should crown people for. Because mm-hmm. oh, that is... Cry. That is difficult work, you know, that is mm-hmm. difficult work and, and requires that we kind of like ego, <laughs> right. All of those hurts from the past or whatever. That's just what's important is that he died with dignity. That's huge. It's so beautiful that you said that because one of the things that I realized now in my work post, like his post death, whatever, is that all of that time that we spent apart from one another really was because of miscommunication. Uh-huh. Like I had, I had a interpretation of why he was doing certain things and he had an interpretation of why I was doing certain things. Mm-hmm. And had we just made space to talk to each other, mm-hmm. it would have been resolved, you know? And so like, I'm still working through that, that yeah. guilt because it's just like, ah, uh, you know, my dad was, he grew up in an era where it was like, you go to school, you work hard, you be the best, period. And so I did that. I went to school. I was the best. I worked hard. But I felt like every time I did it, he would raise the bar. 
you know, mm-hmm. every time. And so that started to impact my mental health. Cause I'm like, I, I don't know how to be the best anymore. You know, like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that, and I learned that every time that I went higher, he didn't really understand the level that I was on, right? So when he would ask questions that I presume was him raising the bar, it was really him just trying to understand what the hell I was doing, you mm. know, like. <laughs> mm. oh. And so on his deathbed, he was able to apologize for like, you know, being so hard. I was able to apologize and it was a beautiful moment, but you know, we weren't granted time to actually live in that forgiveness world. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. Like that was a, that was a tough lesson for yeah. sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and he's communicating with you. I was going to say, dreams, yeah, you know? it's no surprise and, then that he's coming through. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's really beautiful. I mean, I, uh, what I, I, my work work is helping people sort out the pains of their childhood and, and, mm. um, there is so much to be said for that. Like we we're just human. And in the absence of knowing the full story, we're going to make up a story that feels like we can put our, you know, like we can, we can, we can land there and have some certainty and, and that can create conflict. (laughs) So yeah, you're right. Like having space to be able to really humbly show up with, with, you know, like this is the story I made up tell me if it's true, you know? Listen, I, I made up a story and I thought that my dad did not love me yeah. because he was so hard on me, right? And when I did that first or second tour of the house after he passed away and I saw all of the canned film of photos that he took of my childhood, mm. all these little moments that he captured, I was like, absolutely he loved me because mm. I am a mom now and I am capturing moments where I'm just looking at my kids and I'm like, Oh my God, that was so precious. Oh my God. You know? And then I saw that he would, whenever I was in the paper or when he would print it out and he had it hanging up and it, you know, and so I was just like, Oh my God, I got it wrong. You know, Mm -hmm. I got it wrong. And so this, this house, I think one gives permission for him to exist as his full self, even though he's not here. I think it allows for people to like, be your full because he grew up in an era where he couldn't be himself. He had to be a worker. He had to be a factory man. That was just what he did. But he was so much, I was so much like him. And mm. so this house gives permission for him to say, I'm an artist. And his then it legacy, gives permission. Yeah. His Great. legacy. Yeah. Yep. And and for me, it just it, it gives me permission to to exist as my artist now, as my artist mm. self. Yeah. So mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so excited for this and for you. This is really, really, really cool. And for everybody who gets to pass through this incredible oh, space, man. you know, yeah. it's like a, it's a house of dream. It's a house of dreams for and for dreams. You know, I love, love it. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. The other, oh. the other thing I want to acknowledge too is the how important it is to listen to your body mm-hmm. when you know, like you knew that you had some dreams around art and education and youth. And the body was saying, hold up, <laughs> stop, please. <laughs> Something's not right here. And I'm, I'm just curious, what's that like for you now? Because I can't, I can imagine that building a nonprofit from the ground up is a really stressful and can create mm-hmm. some 
challenges. And so where are you at with that now as you transition into this new work life? Um, so my work life is amazing and um, allows for me to exist as my full self, which is yep. amazing, which I've never had that before. Yep. But I also think that I'm in a better place to ask for help and to delegate. So there, this is like a year and a half now of me kind of storytelling and dreaming about the creative house. And along the way, there have been people who are like, I don't really care what you do. I just love you and I trust what you're doing. So I want to help. Or there are people who are like, I don't know you, but I, I see what you're doing and I want to help. And so I'm allowing myself to receive that help, which has been new for me but also very free because i don't want this to just be a symphony thing i want the creative house to be a milwaukee thing and so like when i felt overwhelmed at the idea of having to clean out some of the stuff that we didn't want to keep in the house i asked the community i said hey y'all i need help seven people showed up Mm. seven people wow three of which I only knew socially, like just in Facebook world. Right. And the fact that they were like, I believe in you and I want to help brought me to tears because I'm like, like you're really here to help clean up my dad's junk and to throw it away. (laughs) Like that was so powerful to me. Mm -hmm. I've had people who are like, Hey, I'm not about to help clean up, but I I know you said you wanted a website. Can I start working on that with you or for you? And I'm like, Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Yes. (laughs) Like, please. And so same with like getting the nonprofit status. Hey, like I believe in you and I love you. Like I'm going to help you through this process and I'm not going to charge you, you know, just, just tip me. And I'm like, like blowing my mind. Yeah. And I, re- I remember getting an anonymous donation once, even before I had nonprofit status, because she was like, I believe in you. And that was what pushed me like, okay, maybe I need to like for real make this a thing because people are like, starting to make financial investments and the build out of this thing. And so that's when I got nonprofit. I was like, let me just go ahead because we're doing this. You know, I just feel like the universe keeps telling me what to do. And so I hope that answers your question. I'm just taking Mm. it very, I'm taking it very slow, um, listening to my body and then also delegating and asking for help. Yeah. And receiving help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, receiving help. That's huge. That's huge. And also there is something about when you're really fully aligned with the work, you know, the stress yeah. is a little different. The stress is maybe a little more like, okay, we got to get this going, you know, as yeah. opposed to this is yeah. dragging me down. So, yeah. you know, yeah. what's so funny. I had a friend and I still haven't fully processed it myself, but she said to me one day when I saw her, um, she's like, you look free. Mm. And when she said that, I stepped back and I was like, what? <laughs> you know, like, what do you mean? She said, you look free. And I still have been processing that mm. because that's maybe just the energy I'm carrying, but I do feel free. I feel like a huge burden has been lifted. I feel like I'm living my purpose and maybe that's what it is. And I've decided mm-hmm. that I'm going to do the things that make me happy, wear the things that make me happy. And that's a different kind of energy. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It feels good. Mm-hmm. 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 Absolutely. Beautiful. I can feel it radiating I, from this yeah. conversation for sure. For <laughs> yeah. sure. I wish our listener was good to could see but it, yes, it's only <laughs> it'll it'll come through in her voice i think yes yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. well we we want to be uh, cognizant of your time and we do have a few like like f- fun questions that we ask at the end of every interview to okay to, to get to know what you 
uh, like what you vision uh, or what you, I guess, love about Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. So um, first question, let's see, what's your favorite place to sit and dream in Milwaukee? The lakefront, mm. hands down. Like yep. I will go to the lakefront and just grab my sketchbook or a journal and just sit. Mm. Even when it's negative 20? <laughs> <laughs> When it's cold, when it's cold, the library, Central Library. Ooh, mm. good answer. Mm-hmm. Good. I love yeah, that place. It's a beautiful yeah. building. Yeah. yeah. And I don't get love there enough. Place. Probably yeah. most Milwaukeeans don't get there enough, you know, like, wow. Oh, I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, when you're not sitting somewhere and dreaming, when you're just wanting to have a good time, go out for a meal, whatever you're doing, where where do you go? What's your What's your idea of a fun evening, day, weekend? Um, my hands down favorite restaurant is Coffee Makes You Black. Like, I love that place. Mm-hmm. The mango tea, hot or cold, depending on the weather, is my favorite. It just feels like home to me. And so that's one of my favorite restaurants. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Is that, would you call that? I don't think that's a hidden gem. Is that a hidden gem? I feel like. No. I mean, it's a gem. It's a gem. No, don't get me wrong. Is it hidden? No, not anymore. It used to be, I think. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad for that. I'm glad for that. I'm curious. Where do you go when you want to have like a nostalgic experience? You know, like when you're like really in the revelry of your childhood, aside from your dad's house, which we learned is where you go, like what, what businesses or shops, (laughs) restaurants, parks, where do you go when you want to feel nostalgic? So the Central Library is one because my okay. dad always took us there. Half Price Books was my mm. favorite. He always took us there. Menards, we were there every Saturday getting wood. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, uh, let me see. Lincoln Park was the park that we would ride our bikes to all the time with my dad, okay. um, which was amazing. The lakefront, we would always camp out during Fourth of July and oh, people like nice. you know whatever. Um, oh my, my dad took us so many places like yeah those were those were like the top ones though for sure mm-hmm. beautiful mm-hmm. yeah love it. awesome love it. And then oh and we- cops my dad loved cops <laughs> i love it i love what about your mom where'd your mom take you oh my mom went wherever my dad went but um <laughs> my mom really loved <laughs> this is not even around anymore but you could always catch her at country, Old Country Buffet. Do y'all remember that place? Oh, Country <laughs> Buffet. Yes. Any, like, celebratory moment ended mm-hmm. at Old Country Buffet. That's Love so it. fun. <laughs> so fun. Well, and the last question we always end with um, for all of our guests is, um, because this is a podcast about dreams and about women who are living their dreams in Milwaukee specifically, who do you see? Who's somebody that inspires you that you see as living her dream in our city? That is a great question. And I would give that to right now, uh, Jamila Riley. Hmm. She is the owner of Jay Riley. She is in the Sherman Phoenix. She makes crochet earrings and, um, accessories and home decor. And what I really love about her is much like me, she quit her art teaching job years ago to start her own business. Um, she is this bright, colorful woman who smiles and laughs all the time. And like when I see her, I feel like that's where I'm trying to get to. So like mm. I declared last year that I was going to wear more color. 
because I was like a black and white girly, like earth tone girly. And um, I'm, I got some color on today. Yeah. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> um, and so she is she is living the dream for sure. Cool. Oh, that's awesome. Awesome. Thank Check you. Check her out. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, this has been such a joy, Symphony. We're, I also want to just say Miss Swan is like straight out of a little kid book. <laughs> The art, the like cool art teacher in a little kid book. That's just like, oh my goodness, yeah, Absolutely. central casting for that name for an art teacher. I yeah, love it. yes, the kids used to always just say how cool my name was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so anyway, it's been just a real joy to mm. to have you on. Congrats on being the Milwaukee of the year. I hope that Thank they you. gave you a key to the city. Uh, or that there's a billionaire out there who wants to crown you <laughs> so that you can bring all of your dreams to life. Yeah. Yes. And super yes. excited to check out this space. So please keep us posted so we can keep all of our listeners posted when we can come yes. check out the gallery or support you. I know February 29th is a big day coming up. People find out about this on your website, on Instagram. What's the best place for people to follow you? Both. So I do have a website, The Creative House, and creative is spelled C-R, the number eight, tv.org or at um on instagram is the creative house okay so I'm, I'm everywhere yeah even on linkedin so i'm everywhere okay and okay. we'll put links to all those in our show notes so people can click on that and and uh connect with you directly if they're yeah interested and want to follow you as well so good luck to everything that you have coming up this spring yeah. thank so you ladies this has been a pleasure i haven't told the story in a really long time so it feels good and um, hopefully folks feel inspired and thank you. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Well, I want to march on over there and help build whatever they need to build next. <laughs> Sign me up, right? Yes. Oh. Let me patch some walls. Oh man. I am I am fo- I want to follow this one closely because I am just so I mean personally I'm so big on space and space for dreaming I, it's been mm-hmm. on my vision board for years to have a space like this and I love watching that she is bringing this to light and bringing it to reality because we need places like this in the city yeah. I love that two of our episodes this season have been about spaces and spaces for dreaming mother lion down in Bayview And now the creative house on the Northwest side, it's like, yes, Milwaukee is getting these pockets for dreams and dreamers and dreaming. I love it. I love it. I love it too. I love it too. And I'm thinking like, who, who out there connects with this and wants to support it specifically lawyers and accountants that she needs for her board. Right. But also, you know, bring in people to support, get to know the idea and follow along. Yeah. So who's with us? And artists, right? Who's who's going to be, who are we going to see in there? I can't wait to see the artists that she brings together. And this idea of not only bringing artists, well, obviously bringing artists, but then also pulling in other people around the community. So politicians and planners and the people who are going to make some, you know, strategic decisions for the future of this city. How can they benefit from the perspective of an artist. I think that's so huge and something we don't think about all yeah. the time. Or, you know, yeah. like arts is like the the thing on the outside that can get cut first if funds are low. Well, actually, no. <laughs> Let's bring artists to the center. You know, I love that about what she's, what she's doing here. Yeah, that's really brilliant. Really brilliant. 
So mark your calendars, February 29th. Try to get to her fundraiser on leap day for her ninth birthday party <laughs> and um and follow along we hope we can't wait to see what what happens with creative house links are in our show notes you follow along there real quick before we go let's just shelly do we i feel like we've i feel very caffeinated people are hearing our pleas for coffee and they are buying us coffee thank you listeners yes thank you listeners cheryl knizel you continue to buy us coffee. We love you. Jenny Aker from Fern and Nettle. Thank you so much. Thank and we you. have been told that you need to be on the podcast. Yep. So mm-hmm. be prepared. And Alex Simons from Cream City Living. She's got some cool dreams coming up. Sounds like following her dreams. So thank you, Alex, for following along and for buying us coffee. And then to the amazing <laughs> Beth and Dwight Basilius. <laughs> That's mom and dad. (laughs) We appreciate you, mom and dad, all the way from California, supporting the Cream City and their dreamy daughter. (laughs) So thanks for the coffee, y'all. We use it to keep the lights on, not just to stay lit. That's right. (laughs) Well, until we can shine a light on another woman next week. Keep on dreaming. Keep on dreaming.